Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. part of a global family, which uh, it's really a blessing for us that we don't do this alone, that we're together. And uh, this morning, it's my privilege to introduce a, a great friend of ours. We've known Bill and Deb Olson for over 20 years, and not only have they co-labored in Calgary with us, but Bill leads the pastoral care for our movement across Canada and does a sensational job. He's one of the best communicators that I know of. If anybody's ever got a birthday greeting from Bill, you, 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 you feel more love than when you're with your mom. He's incredible. He's also a ghostwriter for me. We, we do a column every week in the Calgary Sun, and uh, I said, I don't feel much like writing these days. Bill said, let me help you with that. And is there anything else? I said, well, why don't you just wander on over and, and preach for it some morning? So I'd like you to give a great C3 welcome to our friend, Pastor Bill Olson. <laughs> Woohoo! Thank you, friend. Thank you. Bless you. Uh, you've got an incredible team here. In fact, I want to tell you a story. Six weeks ago, I was in um, a conference, and my name tag had my name, and then underneath it said C3 Church. And... There was a guy who kept passing me and he kept looking at my chest and that made me a little uncomfortable. But finally he came to me and he said, are, are you with C3? And I said, yes. And then his eyes got big and he looked at me and he said, do you know? And I thought, how to get a hold of Pastor Lorne? Have I ever met Pastor Phil? Do you know Phoenix? <laughs> and, and I said, well, well yes, I... I do know Phoenix, and, and he was a musician, and I didn't know whether he wanted me to steal his guitar strings or get him a lock of hair, and then the next morning, same thing happened. Another guy came and said, hey, are you from C3? Do you know Serana? You know, like, I said, yes, I do, I do, and so I uh, checked out his marital status and everything, and so that's, we're just working on that and seeing uh, how that goes. We're starting, you're starting a series this morning on truth and, and uh, the core beliefs of us as believers and followers of Jesus. And today they've asked me to look at Trinity, the Trinity. And so I watched Pastor Stephen Flight's intro on Instagram and a couple of things came to mind as I watched that. The first is that we should have arranged for buses to meet us here and take us to where he's preaching because he, he speaks so clearly, so articulately about explaining God expressed in three persons, co-equal, coexistent, and completely harmonized and unified in, in purpose and in plan. I'm going to do a Lorne thing and put my glasses on and off. And, um, the second point that he made comes from St. Augustine where he said, that if you deny the Trinity, you lose your soul, and if you try to understand and explain the Trinity, you're in danger of losing your mind. And having wrestled with this message for a few weeks, please reserve your final judgment until I'm about six kilometers away and on my way home. Um, God in three persons, 
Blessed Trinity. It was the chorus of a frequently sung hymn in the church that I was raised. It was part of my theological training and upbringing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, you are God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. People have looked for a way to make that information, that concept, accessible and understandable. St. Patrick used the three-leaf clover to explain the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three distinct identities, um, three separate functions, but unified in heart, in purpose, equal and eternal together. Someone else thought that the picture might be better seen in, as three states of water and, and, and someone else brought out an egg, one, identi- one identity, three parts, a shell, a yolk, a, an egg white. <sighs> Every metaphor breaks down at some point and proves to be less than perfect representation of, of what was the original concept. The, the core understanding of all of those things is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are completely unified. They're they're never at odds. They're never vying for power or authority. They're never in competition mode with one another. Think about that. Perfect unity. That's enough to shut your mind down right there. Because I have no frame of reference for perfect unity. Unity. My, my wife Debbie and I have been married for nearly 34 years, and, and we're one identity or entity. We're, we're one, we're a team, we're unified in, in most things until it gets to who holds the TV remote or, or, or rema- remembering whose turn it is to pick the restaurant this time or who should phone our adult children with her latest suggestion on how shall they now live? (laughs) We're not always on the same page, and there are a few times that we have no intention on getting on the same page. We, We sometimes choose to celebrate our diversity rather than our unity. So, so eternal, co equal, coexistent Godhead who always has, is currently, and will forever be one unified. One unified in purpose is more than I know how to understand or wrap my mind around. Way back in Deuteronomy is a a prayer called the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the launching pad for Jewish prayer. It's prayed at the start and the end of every day, and it's a a profession of faith, and it goes this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The prayer says that the Lord our God is totally unique. He alone is God. There is no other. You as God's people can have complete sense of security because the God who said, let us make man in our own image, is not ever going to come apart at the seams with internal fighting or disagreement. He will be the God of all ages that will be stable, steadfast, and will look after you. The neighbors of Israel had a full catalog of gods, 
who, who knew nothing about harmony. They were moody, they were immoral, they were corrupt, unpredictable idols that replicated the, 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 the tenor, the moral tenor of the hands that had created them. They might love you this morning, but hate you by, by nightfall and destroy you before tomorrow arrives. Israel, your God is totally unique. Your God is a solid temperament, morally stable and pure, not out for greedy personal gain, but, but focused on your well-being. I know what I'm doing, says the Lord. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you did not dare hope for. I am the God that brings security to your world. Your response to such a God will be, should be, an all-consuming love that flows out of your heart and gratitude, the, the, the place where decisions are made, out of your soul, out of your strength, to love him completely with the intent to obey and to follow all that he requests of you. I bring this scripture into our discussion today because it holds a key to understanding the Trinity. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a concept that we can at the very least picture, if not totally and completely understand. But their unity, their purpose, their dedication that they have toward the people of God for a purpose, and the purpose is relationship. Relationship. I will provide you with all that you need and your response will be connection, will be obedience, will be love and relationship. Come with me to Matthew chapter 13, the baptism of Jesus at the very beginning of his life's ministry. Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, John is attending to the crowds that have shown up to be baptized in water and submerged into the plan, into the purpose of God identity and to identify with the kingdom of God. And he looks down the line and he sees that in line Jesus is there. And, and he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. I, I know who you are. This isn't for you. This is for a crowd that's announcing to the rest of the world, I'm turning my back on the old life and I'm coming to life in you. And, and that's not what you need to do. If you're going to come here, then you don't need to be baptized, but please baptize me. And Jesus insists on being baptized, and John asks, but why? Why is it that you're coming to me? Why is it that you, of all people, are doing this act of, of declaration? And Jesus says, I'm responding in obedience to God. I'm the eldest son of the family, the firstborn among many brothers. I'm setting an example as a people who belong to God. We must carry out all that God requires of us. And this is part of the requirement. Repent and be baptized. And I'm leading the way. So John agrees to baptize Jesus. Down into the water he goes and he comes out. And there's this beautiful picture of, of the Trinity in the next verses. Listen, verse 16. After his baptism, as, as Jesus came up out of the waters, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven was heard to say, this is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. 
Jesus emerges from the water, and at the moment, that very moment, the heavens open and Holy Spirit descends as a dove. My Sunday school papers always showed that the dove descended on his head, and my Sunday school papers never lied. And, and so that's how it happened. And, and then this audible voice, understanding that it was a voice that came out of the very throne room of heaven, states three very clear things. The first one is relationship. This is my son. I, I have two children, Catherine and David, outstanding adults who are accomplished and kind and devoted to Jesus and extremely funny. And, and when I introduce them to people, I almost never start with their names. I, I was part of the choosing of their names. I, I married a school teacher, and so there was a lot of names as a youth pastor and a school teacher we couldn't use. They just reminded us of, of darker days. And so we, we, we chose these names, and I was proud of their names. But that's not the first thing that I want you to know about them. I want you to know that they're connected to me, that they're mine. This is my daughter. This is my son. I know that you look at me and you look at them and you say, how can beauty come out of ashes? But they're mine. They're mine. I, I'm proud of them. I want, I want you to know that they're not looking for a father. They have one and it's me and we're connected. We're in relationship. We are family. This is my son, Jesus says. We're connected. Number two, this is my son, whom I love dearly. I throw this in for free, parents. God the Father, in a three-year period of time, found two public, uh, two public occasions to announce his love for his one and only Son. Once is here at his baptism, once is on the Mount of Transfiguration. I would assume that in their daily prayer times, the father would say to the son that he loved him there as well. That's what happens in my prayer time with the father. He catches me off guard and, and whispers my name and says, I love you. You're, you're the focus of my attention. You're the apple of my eye. And so parents, you have the example of Father God giving you permission to speak out your love and connection to your children. Doesn't matter the generation you belong to, Father God does it and it makes it perfectly acceptable for you to do it. You can learn how to do it and do amazing things for the connection you have with your children because we all need to belong. We all need to be told we're loved. We all need to be connected to family in a meaningful relationship. This is my dearly beloved son. And number three, finally, the third message, I'm so very pleased by his heart, by his willingness to obey. He brings delight to me. He is my great joy. As a, as a child of God, I live to hear those words from Father God over my life, that he's pleased with my heart, with my willingness to obey. So we have Jesus the Son obeying the will of the Father, coming out of the waters of baptism. We have the Holy Spirit coming and settling on Jesus, sending out the message that he's empowered by heaven to do the work that's before him that his Father sent him to do. Then we have the voice of the Father. This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me joy. It's a, it's a picture of unity. It's a picture of amazing connection and cooperation and, and helps a little bit with understanding the concept of Trinity. God in three people, persons, united, co-equal, co-existent, the blessed Trinity. However, more important than making clear how it works, how it operates, is the beauty of of what that means to you and to me here today. 
If, if you go through the scriptures, I want to start by talking about the Father. And if you go through the scriptures and you start to list, start to underline, start to make a, a list of all the titles and the names that God has, it's, it's a sizable list. Dake's Bible lists 74 names. Lord God, everlasting God, God of heaven and of earth, almighty God of history, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, the great I am, the God of all gods, eternal living, the rock, the most high, our refuge, the holy one, glorious one, the incorruptible God, the list goes on. But God comes and he reveals himself to me and to you who are believers this way, our Father. Our Father. When, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven. I, I, I like how the, the message interprets those words. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, let it be below. The, the, the title Father God implies relationship, denotes connection. It's built on a foundation of love and doing what is in the best interest of the object of his love. And you and I are his, the object of his love. God so loved the people of the world that he gave his one and only son. God loves connection, loves relationship, values family. He can't stand it when someone is isolated, alone, or divorced from meaningful relationship. Psalm 80, 68 verse 6 says that God sets lonely people in families. He, 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 he picks them up and he places them in a place where they, where they belong. That's amazing to me. Where, where, where they belong, where, where connection is. That, that's so important to God. It's, it's why you're here this morning. God has placed you in family. God has put you in this house. It, it, it's... Before you make a move out of the family that God has placed you in, you better discover if it's your idea or if it's God's idea to move away from family. Now I'm meddling. I believe that the one of the great heartbreaks of God in this current generation is that so many children grow up not connected to dad. A secular organization, Father.com, recognized the importance of fathers in our lives and, and wrote in 2019, and I quote, more than 20 million children in the U.S. live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions, millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. If it were classified as a disease... Fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. When, when dad is missing, there's a sense of insecurity. There's a, there's a sense of abandonment. Danger sneaks up on children where dad isn't present and protecting. Moms do an amazing, miraculous job, two jobs being one person. But God said it works optimally when dad is present and is invested. And, and heaven provides the example, God the Father, accessible, constantly present, and totally invested in you and in me. 
He he engaged in your world. You're an opened book to your heavenly father. He reads you well, better than anyone else. at, At a distance, he knows what you're thinking. He knows where you're going before you leave, and he knows when you'll be back. You're never out of his sight. He, he knows everything that you will say before you even open your mouth. He, he proceeds before you, follows you, covers you in, in all of your comings and goings. There's nowhere that you can find or avoid his presence or his knowing. He's involved in your life before you're conceived. And he knows about everything there is to know about you inside and out. He's aware of every stage of your life. Every day has been prepared and given purpose before you lived one of them. You can't count the number of thoughts that he has had for you today because the number is infinite. He's invested in you. He's not only present and invested, he's he's powerful. I've prayed that he would reveal himself to you in a new way today. To each of you, I'm believing that what's not in order in your world right now will be put in order because your heavenly Father, the God of all the earth, who wants wants you to see and understand him as your Father, has power to put your world in order. As it is in heaven, do what's best below here where we live, where we exist right now. Present, invested, powerful. Let me go on to see Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He understands, he emphatically represents and illustrates the rich benefit of relationship with the Father. Listen to Paul in Romans chapter 8. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him among the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity that he restored. God knew what he was doing. He set up a visual. He gave us an illustration of love, a pattern to follow. He told us that he would shape our lives in the same way that he designed the life of his son. The verse is tied and connected to that incredible uh, promise in the previous verse that in all things God will work together for good those, to those who love God and participate in his divine purposes. So God chose to have divine intimate relationship with his people and said that my purpose is to conform you to the image and the likeness of Christ Jesus, the firstborn of the family. That through Jesus, the original plan of God for humanity will be restored in us. All that God desired that we have, all that was lost in a time of fall will be restored to us through Christ. Again, when when God reveals the purpose, <clears throat> the purpose of the Trinity through the picture of the Son of God, he uses the metaphor of family, relationship, connection, security found in committed family setting. There's so many titles that are given to Jesus as well, but I want to focus on three this morning. Jesus, our prophet, our priest, and our king. As our prophet, he comes to us as a spokesman for God. He reveals, speaks the heart of God to you, to me, to the church. As the prophets of old spoke to Israel about what was on God's heart, Jesus does that to you, to me, to us. He keeps the connection. He keeps the communication between God and believers in place. Plus, Jesus, the priest, he stands up in front of Almighty God, 
our Father, and He intercedes consistently, passionately for us in our need. He stands in such a way that when the Father looks at us, He sees through the sacrifice, through the life of Jesus, and we appear to God justified. Just as if we had never done anything wrong in all of our lives. It's why we're encouraged to get into the throne room of God without hesitation or delay, but to come boldly before that throne because we don't have to worry about our status during a time of need. The Father sees us as unblemished children just needing the intervention of a loving Father. Now add Jesus the King. There's a beautiful technique used in Jewish writing, and it appears in Scripture. Whenever a subject is mentioned back-to-back, is mentioned twice, it speaks of superiority, it speaks of supremacy, of the best of the best. When you read Solomon's Song of Songs, Right in the title, it's meant to tell you that this is the best. This is the most incredible and beautiful love song ever sung. It it doesn't get better than this. It's the best that will ever be written. When you read read that Jesus is described as king of all kings, lord of all lords, there's never been, there's not currently, nor will there ever be a king that sits in the same league or is worthy of being compared to Christ. Other kings come, other kings go, he's eternal. Other kings have limitation on resource, strength, and wisdom. This king knows no limits. His robe, which denotes the the strength and the power of his kingdom, doesn't flow behind him in measurements of feet or yards. It is so long, it is so uh, incredible that it fills the temple side to side, front to back, top to bottom, and out the door. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has been given all of this to build the church. We are the church. I've been studying in Ephesians recently, working on a prayer strategy, and listen to this beautiful statement of truth that Paul gives to you, gives to me this morning in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 20. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death, set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name, no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. Forever. He's in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks, acts, in which he fills everything with his presence. We are the church and we're full of Christ. It's an amazing thing. Let me quickly go to Holy Spirit. John chapter 14. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend is what the, mission, the message says. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send at my request will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. Jesus has called his disciples together and he says things are about to change. It's not going to be the way that you have, have known it. You won't be with it. He won't be with them in the same way they've become comfortable over these last three years. I'm, I'm leaving you, but I'm not abandoning you. 
I'm asking the Father to help you to send the Holy Spirit. There are a number of ways that the Holy Spirit functions. And, and it's translated different in various translations. He's the comforter. He's the helper. He's the legal advocate. He's the wise counselor. The wise counselor. He's the life coach. And they're all good, but not complete. And the message is not fully complete either. But it illustrates the point that I'm trying to make about the Trinity. I'm sending you the best friend you've ever had. Just the best friend. Again, relationship, connection, family. His name is Holy Spirit, but his function is to be your constant companion. He will make everything plain to you. How many would say that in front of you right now there's difficulty, there's a circumstance, there's a, a complex problem that doesn't have a plain answer that you can see right now? Just raise your hand. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Make your will, make the purposes of God plain to this people. Make them confident in your presence, in your friendship, in your connection to them. Let them see the way. Let them hear you say, this is the way, walk ye in it. Let it happen in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit comes to teach us the ways of God and to remind us that all that has been said and promised, he convicts the world of sin, but he also helps us stay out of the sins that attempt to distance us from God, di disqualify us from our call. Holy Spirit lives in us as believers, fills us, empowers us, directs us. He's a constant source of wisdom, power, and revelation. The, the Spirit of God takes us into all truth gives us insight into the things that are to come so that we're not ambushed or by circumstances or enemies. He works the character of God into the very fabric of who we are. He, he brings the fruit of the Spirit into our lives, makes us effective witnesses and ministers with the spiritual gifts that God has given to us, His church. He's the seal. He's the mark that is on our lives and validates that we belong to God, that we are His spiritually, that we are His legally, and that we have all the rights, all the privileges that His Son Jesus has. When we feel confused, when we feel weak and uncertain of what to do, how to pray, what to ask for, Holy Spirit starts to pray in us and through us. When we do not know what we ought to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes through groan, wordless groans. He searches hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit intercedes for God's people in alignment with the will of God. Holy Spirit works in us to make us new people. With, with a desire to follow and obey Christ. He, he sanctifies, he, he sets us aside for the holy call that's on our life for the purposes of God. The, the, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and he will give life to your mortal bodies. In the name of Jesus, impart life here to every person. In the name of Jesus. We, we don't have to be a full self-starting motivating force of of nature. We do have to be attentive. We do have to be aligned with the voice, the direction of the Holy Spirit. And He will do in us all that needs to be done so that we can live up to our call and fulfill our destiny. 
We, we are fully equipped. We are fully empowered, fully guided, sustained by the work of the Holy Spirit who takes the call and the plan of God is the blueprint and begins to build you to be the conqueror that God destined you to be. I love it. Hmm. The Holy Spirit is your own personal life coach. I don't know about you, but some of the life coaches that have shown up, and if you're a life coach, I already apologize, but some of the life coaches who try to sell themselves to me, their life is in a mess. Why would I hire them to sort of get me to where they're at? But, but this, this life coach actually knows who you are and why you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And your friend in this Christian life and battle knows what he's doing. Again, relationship is key, moving you to a place where victory, you move victory to victory, glory to glory. And that's not a pipe dream, that's a reality. Working the will of God, the purpose of God into the very fabric of your being so that you end up being who God dreamed you to be when he called you before by name before the foundations of the earth were laid. I, I may not be able to fully explain the complexities and the dynamics of the Trinity in theological terms. However, I find it so beautiful, so refreshing, so inspiring, so comforting. I feel so secure that when God gives us terms of who he is and how he works and walks with us, he, he, dis, he uses descriptors that even I can get. He calls himself my loving Father. He requests connection, relationship. He empowers the Son, our older brother, to do whatever's necessary to cover us, empower us, release us, protect us, send us out. He tasks the Holy Spirit to be our closest, most powerful friend, to speak to us, direct us, equip us, so that we can be about our Father's business. Music people, will you please come? One of the great... Great benedictions, one of the great verses that depicts the interaction of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and their involvement in your life and my life is the benediction that Paul pronounces over the Corinthian believers in his second letter to them. Having acknowledged that they're a bit of a mess as a church and that there's a lot of work that needs to be done, he encourages them to approach that work with an attitude of rejoicing because God's at work in their lives. He constantly has been. He always will be. And Paul wants them to work at healing the rifts that have formed in their fellowship to encourage one another through the difficulty that's going on in their city and to determine to make it their ambition to be unified in heart and mind and to, to choose to live in peace. And if they do that, then God, the God of love and peace, will live among them and help them with all the tasks that they've been given. Paul goes on and says, hey, listen, when you come together, greet one another enthusiastically with a holy kiss. But, you know, keep your lips to yourself. Just and greet me enthusiastically, okay? Uh, know that everyone that is here with me sends their greeting, support, their love and prayers to you in Corinth. And then comes the benediction. May the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, may the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. May, may you know that heaven's team is for you, that they surround you and they are not against you. 
May you understand the vast riches that are opened up and available to you. May you be aware that if God is for you, who would be foolish enough to stand against you? Paul, who speaks plainly and forthrightly, doesn't waste words, doesn't blow sunshine in anybody's face, can't seem to find enough adjectives to make this blessing clear enough to us. May the amazing, amazing, enabling grace of Jesus empower you through all that you need to go through this week. And may the extravagant, rich, generous, overflowing love of God give you confidence and security that you're not alone, that you're not dependent on your own strength or ability to move forward, but that all that God has and all that God is has been made available to you and He has identified Himself as your Father, not wanting to withhold anything, but give freely all that He has. And may the intimate, complete, perfect, exquisite friendship of the Holy Spirit be so real to you where you are, facing all that you're facing right now so that you will know that you cannot lose. You cannot lose. That the plan of God is to task the Holy Spirit with making sure that the plans God has to prosper you, to fill you with hope, to give you a future, are executed beautifully in your life, no matter what the enemy of your soul might say or do, that you would not have to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but be fully aware that it is the power of God that brings salvation to you, to your story, to your ministry, to your life. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the prayer people if they would come and stand here and get ready to pray with folks. All week as I've been preparing, I've just been so aware that God needs to give us a new revelation of who He is in this day. Pandemic was hard. I think these days post-pandemic have been even more difficult. We've lost some of our people skills. We've lost some of our softness towards one another. And so when we meet, we... We tend to injure, we tend to, and and so God, we need you to do a new revelation. You might be here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus. One of these people, you come and you pray with them and they'll, they'll lead you to that relationship. But even more importantly, you will walk out of here with all of heaven walking with you. All of heaven leading you, guiding you. This morning you might be here and And you might have felt, you might have sensed that you've lost something of the revelation of the team in heaven, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, your family who stands and supports you. You come and let them pray with you. There's no need to be embarrassed. We've all been there. We we are all there one day or another this week. We've all been there. If you're there now as the the team sings. You quickly slip out to where you, where you are and you come and you pray with these folks. Let them pray the presence of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit on you. Come now as we sing. Jesus, in your name, in your name, in your name we pray. We love who you are. Thanks for listening. 
To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.